This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Wednesday, October 13th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air on the 104th anniversary of the miracle of the son of Our Lady of Fatima. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us. Wednesday is the traditional day dedicated to St. Joseph, something that we always try to remember, especially in this year of St. Joseph. Now we're less than seven weeks away from the first Sunday of Advent on November 28th and Christmas will be here before you know it. Once again, I want to remind you that Relevant Radio wants to give you and your family a beautiful hand-painted nativity set for your lawn outside your home just in time for the Advent season. You can win one of only 200 nativity sets valued at over $500. All you have to do is sign up at relevantradio.com slash nativity. This Advent season, let's boldly proclaim Christ in our neighborhoods. Let's make this Christmas a Christmas to remember by making room for Christ inside our hearts and also outside of our homes. You only have a few days left until midnight central time on October 15th to sign up. You might be one of the winners, so sign up today. Do it this morning. Register at relevantradio.com slash nativity. As we do every day to start the show, uh, we begin in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit whenever we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, coming up shortly, uh, David Carollo, the executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima USA, will join us to talk about the miracle of the sun and the secrets of Our Lady of Fatima. A little bit later at the bottom of the hour, our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, will have the latest news from the eternal city of Roma. We'll also bring you another episode of Glenn's Story Corner, all that and much more coming up here this hour on Morning Air. As we do every day, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Revelation 12.1. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. 
Our Blessed Mother Mary, the same lady that appeared on this day at Fatima in 1917 as the Lady of the Rosary, is the woman clothed with the sun. Mary's mission for over two millennia is always to lead us to her son, Jesus, who is the light of the world. She's the star of the new evangelization, our Queen Mother that says to us always, do whatever he tells you because Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. On this day, October 13, 1917, a miraculous event took place that would change Fatima, Portugal forever. Beginning on May 13, 1917, three shepherd children named Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta said Our Lady had asked them to come on the 13th of every month and continue to pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world and an end to the war. Our Lady also promised a miracle that would take place at noon on October 13th so that all would believe. What is the significance of this miracle and of these apparitions and why are they so important for all of us today during these difficult times? Joining us now to talk about the great miracle of the sun that occurred on this day at Fatima 104 years ago is David Carollo, Executive Director of the World Apostolate of Fatima USA and Our Ladies Blue Army. David is often heard and seen on Catholic radio and television discussing the Fatima message as well as other issues related to our Catholic faith. David and his wife Dorothy uh, live in New Jersey where he oversees the operation of the Apostolate including the Blue Army Shrine as well as the operations in Fatima, Portugal where the Apostolate owns and operates their hotel retreat center, Domus Pachis. Good morning, David. Welcome to Morning Air. Great to be with you once again on this anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun. Yeah, good morning, John. Great to, great to be with you again. Absolutely. It's been a while since, uh, since we connected. Um, yes. David, um, Our Lady promised a miracle so that all would believe. Uh, as the events at Fatima became known during the preceding six months, um, there were both believers and skeptics, even atheists, who were drawn to the site. Uh, what was the general feeling uh, regarding uh, the claims by the, by the children, by these three little shepherd children? You know, I think it goes back to any time uh, uh, our Lord brings something to us through his messenger, Our Lady. It's always to the simple people, because they, in, in order to accept these things, there has to be what one ingredient, humility. And I think we're at a time, especially at that point in Portugal, there was a, there was a, a communist government, really, in, in 1910, going forward into the time of the apparitions. And it was very anti-clerical. I mean, the, the church was being persecuted there. And so you had a secular mentality, a secular government and institutions that were just, the, these kind of things were just horrible because, because they were trying to eradicate faith. And of course, Our Lady comes, and any simple children are there, and it's such a message of hope to the people that were were suffering under that, but also the times World War One was going on, and this was a real message of hope. So you had the believers on one side strongly wanting this to be true, and of course the skeptics wanting this to disappear. And I think that's the, the that's the setting for uh, uh, the Fatima. Uh, messages, the Fatima apparitions. Uh, so, so it, it was. It was again this this you know one side against the other type of thing. And I think throughout the period of time from May until October, you 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 felt this throughout as 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 the 
momentum built for the apparitions after May, June, July being the, the strong one where the vision of hell was shown. And then and then our, and in August, where the children had been taken away to prison, September. Now, here we are. A miracle was promised on this day, on October 13th. And sure enough, it came. And 70,000 people came to see it, either to see it happen or to see it discredited. And that and, was, yeah. And uh, you're talking about these uh, secular authorities, these civil authorities. They really were not happy. They were trying to do whatever they could to minimize uh, these miraculous uh, happenings, uh, these apparitions every month. Uh, what were some of the results of, of their actions? Well, it, it did absolutely backfire in the end. But I think the, the point is, as, as it went along, as you well know, after, after the July 13th apparition, now you get into August, the children were taken away and brought to prison. They were not there for August 13th when, the, when, when Our Lady actually did appear or, or did come. She promised to come every month. And people who were there at the Cova, even though the children were not there, saw the outward signs that happened with every other apparition, the wind blowing and, and, and just, just the, the general. Her presence was known by others, not seen, not heard but known by others. So she was there. She kept her promise. They were kept away. They were kept by the administrator who brought them in, threatened to kill them, telling them they needed to recant this whole thing. And of course, they wouldn't do it. They said, we'll give our lives. They were martyrs. These children, you know, when, when, when Jacinta and Francisco, Saints Jacinta and Francisco were canonized, they were canonized as the only non-martyred child saints. But in reality, they accepted martyrdom in, in August when, when they were threatened with this. And they said, no, we will not we cannot de deny what Our Lady is saying, what she asked. So, you know, this was a strong moment. They were then released from prison, as, as people know the story. And then Our Lady did appear to them uh, on at Valinos, which was uh, near their home of, of Ajustrel, uh, on the 19th. But something was said by that. And just the idea how our actions can really affect things. You know, she said that the miracle on October 13th would be lessened. It was it was less than what it might have been because of the actions that happened on on August thirteenth when they were kept away from there. So it just shows you that we all, good and bad, we have we have the ability to adjust what, what goes on in this world. And and what happened on on October thirteenth, which was magnificent, would have been more from what they said. Well, I can't even imagine how it could have been more because it was so awesome, unprecedented uh, right. solar phenomenon that was seen, as you said, by uh, 70,000. Some people think that it might have even been a bigger crowd, as many as 100,000 that were on sure. hand. Can you kind of set the scene, uh, take us back to uh, October 13th, 1917 and, and the miracle of the sun? Uh, give us an idea of, of what the children experienced, what the crowd experienced that day. Well, the, the, the weather that day was absolutely horrible, it, a drenching rainstorm. The people went there, I mean, just in the, in, they were soaking wet, in the mud. It was an unbelievable thing. And we have a beautiful testimonial, uh, which you, is available if you go to our website, bluearmy.com. It's the, it's the 1957 interview with Dominic Reish, who was there as a 12-year-old boy. In 1957, our co-founder, John Hafford, interviewed him. And he spoke about that day, and he said he was there with his mother, and he's there. They're just drenched and soaking wet, and 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 mud up to their knees, and then and then 
when the phenomenon of the, of the miracle of the sun occurred, uh, of course, the sun appeared and it, it began to spin. I mean, the, 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 I could go on for two they hours. They thought it was the end of the world, the people. They, they thought were it frightened. was the end of the world. And everybody was just yelling out. And, and, and some of the, you know, some of the, the, the accounts of it that people were yelling and screaming at, but there was two different um, two different things that were happening that, you know, at that point, those who were believers were, were sort of, everybody was, was, they did think it was the end of the world. Many did, but they were, they were almost, I wouldn't say joyful, but they were in tune with God and they were praying. Others who were skeptics were realizing this is something real, that this could be, and they were, they were in horror. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it, this is the way, you know, God presented things, perhaps, this was this was the gift that was given to these people because so many who went there as skeptics came away as believers. That was the beauty of it. And my understanding is that the people saw this miracle uh, from even far away, uh, as far away That's as right. Lisbon. There were people who witnessed it, right. and uh, it was reported in the Lisbon newspaper. In fact, in uh, Lucia's book, Fatima and Lucia's own words, uh, there's actually a reproduction of the Osecular newspaper the following day with the children right on the cover uh, talking about this miracle. Uh, I mean, it's truly just an amazing phenomenon what occurred uh, on this day 104 years ago yeah, it truly is i mean it was it was it was truly given as a sign that what these children were saying was legitimate and now you have to listen to them listen to what what did they ask at fatima what our lady asked them at fatima to tell the world to, you know to return to be living in, in in accord with the gospels to turn away from sin make reparation for sin she showed them the vision of hell and and the fact that that actions have consequences eternal consequences we know this this is our catholic there's nothing in the fatima message that isn't part of the catholic faith so this is there's nothing new here but it was reiterated and our and but now people were to see that, my goodness, these warnings are accurate. You know, she spoke about things that would come. I mean, the prophecies of Fatima and, and 104 years later, John, where are we? Look at where we're, where we're at today. You know, Russia will spread her errors, she said. <laughs> well, here we are. And by Russia, she meant, you know, not necessarily the, the Russian nation, but the, what, what came out of Russia, the communism and the the, the uh, you know, the atheistic communism. That's why our apostolate was founded in 1947 as a blue army of prayer to counter that red army of atheistic communism. 30 years after the Cold War had started, you know, Our Lady had said nations would be annihilated. Well, the atomic bomb came into existence. Guess what? These things are real. <laughs> and so, so, but it took, it took years, and I guess we're such a hard-headed people that, um, even today, we don't really embrace it totally, and it's very sad. But it did come from everything on that day, on that miracle on October 13th, was to show the legitimacy of what these young children were saying. Another part of the miracle that I find fascinating is that after all that rain and all that mud, uh, after those minutes, 10, 12 minutes uh, during the, the solar phenomenon, afterwards, everybody's clothes was perfectly dry. The ground was dry. It was like they took their clothes to the dry cleaners. Talk a little bit about how unbelievable that was. That's exactly the case. And that interview I referred to with Dominic Reish, um, and actually his daughter lives here in Delaware, and she has come here and spoken at the shrine. Uh, Alice, she's a wonderful woman. And she, 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 was, she was, I don't know how old, she was a young girl when her father did that interview back in 1957. He passed away not too many years after that. And, and yeah, he said the same thing in his interview, that, that all of a sudden, 
their clothes were like they had just come out of the laundry. He said it was the most amazing thing, even beyond the fact that the rain stopped and the mud dried up, that they were clean. And this is almost like like this this action of, of our Lord, you know, bringing this 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 cleansing thing of the sun. It cleansed them physically as well as spiritually, and it was just a beautiful thing. And many people you spoke about, um, like some of the the. We talk about the skeptics that came, and uh, in the newspaper Osekolo, which was the most perfect example, that man was sent there to do a hatchet job that day on this thing. He was sent there to do, and he was not a believer, to do a hatchet job on these apparitions, kill these apparitions and these stupid ideas and these little peasants who think they're going to change the world and all of that. And he wrote the most glowing article afterwards. It's, I have a co- framed copy in my office uh, in Portuguese, of course, but it's just really beautiful. And he taught, you know, just, just how he was converted as so many were, so many skeptics were. And, uh, although some weren't. I mean, some, you know, there are some hearts that are so cold <laughs> they won't turn. That's sad. Very sad. And our Blessed Mother uh, revealed who she was to the children that day, also the day of the miracle, uh, when she said, I am the Lady of the Rosary. Of the Rosary. Uh, just a, a powerful statement that, that said volumes. And, and again, her message, uh, which is so important today, uh, about the importance of praying the Rosary. If there's one thing we can come away from Fatima is the importance of the Rosary, the prayer of the gospel. It, the prayer of the gospel, that's exactly it. Uh, we just got done, uh, uh, we were involved in a rosary coast to coast here in Washington the other day. I was there, it was beautiful. And yeah, this is it. it this, John, this is our way. You know, when, our, when our founder in 1947, um, when Mr. Hafford met with Sister Lucia, and he, and he formulated the, the pledge, the pledge, our Blue Army pledge, which people want to sign again, bluearmy.com. It's there. We'd love for you to join this effort. And and we, we there's estimates maybe 20 million people have signed that since 1974 years since our apostolate came into being. But the you know he asked Sister Lucia, you know, what is it that Our Lady wants the most? The Rosary, right? And she kind of smiled at him and said, No, Our Lady wants people to become holy. But the Rosary is a means to that. You know, these are all means to the end. The end is we need to become holy and become to turn back to God. You know, Our Lady wants understands. No one understands the beauty of heaven more than the Blessed Mother. She she adores at the highest possible level there is. She's with God, whereas whereas she also understands the horror of sin and the separation from God that that causes. You know, when she spoke about like like hell, for example, you know, we don't want to, we don't expound and go crazy about talking about hell and all that. It's a real thing, though. And 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 those who have been there are have chosen to be away from God. That's the whole difference. She's trying to point us to us that that we need to work to be closer to God. And this is what Sister Lucia talked about to our founder and to others. And throughout her years, uh, we 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 co-published that book, A Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary, which was which was published by her, uh, written uh, it's her biography by the sisters of Coimbra, Portugal, we have the English rights and we publish it in English throughout the world. And uh, it's just a, uh, it, it, but it is the story of, Sister Lucia was asked, when, 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 when the children asked, will we go to heaven? She said, Jacinta and Francisco, you will go soon. Lucia, you'll be here a while longer to make me known and loved. That was 88 years. That makes you think of eternity when 88 years is just a while. But that book, and uh, I was just recently in Portugal sitting with the sisters uh, discussing some of the new uh, editions we're doing in that. And um, But it, it's it, that book and others show the heart of Lucia and how she lived those years and how we have to live it 
live the Fatima message. Uh, David, um, let's fast forward uh, from 1917 to 1981, May 13th, Pope St. John Paul II was shot in St. Peter's Square. Uh, he said the Our Lady of Fatima saved his life. Can you talk uh, briefly about the connection to the third secret of Fatima? Well, the third part of the secret of Fatima for many years, of course, was held and so much speculation about it was not to be released before 1960. It was re it was read by the popes. It was put away. Uh, people speculated terrible things were going to happen. 1981, Pope John Paul II is, is shot in, in the Vatican. A year later, he goes back to give thanksgiving to Our Lady at New Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, did it because he he claimed he saw a statue of Our Lady. They say, and that's what caught his eye and maybe made him turn just enough for that bullet missed his heart. And he once said that that you know one gun or one one hand aimed the bullet and another or another aimed the gun and another hand directed the bullet. He's talking about Our Lady, and so to him, Fatima was the he knew that this was Fatima, and that's why three years later in 1984 he did bring the consecration. Many argue it wasn't done right and this and that. The consecration, which was asked by Our Lady, was done 55 years after the request. Russia spread her errors to great degrees by then, but he made that consecration, and that and and the things in that that. Um, that uh, that apparition, the third part of the secret, where they showed the Holy Father ascending the mountain to the crucifix <clears throat> amidst the burned out city, and and then he's 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 a, a slain, whether they say he died or not. I personally interpret that as that's the church and the pain that the church today is going through. I think is what we're seeing, what was talked about in that in that third part of the secret of Fatima, and uh, but you know, and, and all along, John Paul has said, excuse me, Saint Pope John Paul said that. Instead of being so concerned about what prophecies are here, we have the solution. And he pulled out his rosary. He said, pray the rosary and put everything in the hands of the mother of God. So. You summed it up so beautifully. Uh, a final thought uh, on the message of Our Lady of Fatima and what it means for us today here in 2021. Pray and do, make reparation for sin. Fulfill the first Saturday's devotion, which is so important. Again, our website, bluearmy.com, has many things to help you with that. Come forward. Just, just you know, turn away from sin. Turn to Our Lady and say, how do we live? What do you want of us? And you ask these things with, with a pure heart, and you get the answers. That's as true as that. David, it's been so good to, to chat with you. You truly are a general in Our Lady's Blue Army. Thank you so much for being with us here Thank you, uh, to remember so this great. anniversary. Take Thank care now. God bless you. God bless you too. David Carollo, the Executive Director of the World Apostolate of Fatima USA and Our Lady's Blue Army. We need to take a break. When Morning Air continues, we'll bring you Rome to Home as we check in with our Rome correspondent, Ashley Nerona, who will have the latest news from the Eternal City. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day with the issues that matter most. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 32 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Now, today is the 104th anniversary of the great miracle of Fatima, and I truly believe that the message of our Blessed Mother, the Blessed Virgin at Fatima, is more relevant than ever before. And in fact, we had a fascinating conversation uh, the last uh, half hour with David Carollo, the executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima, uh, who really uh, painted a a tremendous picture of uh, the miraculous events that happened 104 years ago today. So it's it's an exciting day. I've had the blessing myself of actually traveling to that very spot uh, to be standing exactly right there where our Blessed Mother appeared to those three children. So uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. In fact, I have a special report that we're going to uh, share uh, with all of you uh, at the uh, top of the hour uh, in the next hour of the show uh, that looks back at the miraculous events of Fatima and the miracle of the sun that occurred on this day 104 years ago today. Now it's time to bring Rome to home as we do every Wednesday at this time for the latest news from the Vatican. We go live to the Eternal City, Roma, and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona. Ashley and her husband, John, founded the Truth and Beauty Project, providing Renaissance-style theological formation for our visitors to Rome. And of course, you could read more about them at johnandashley.org. Good morning. Buongiorno, Ashley. Great to be with you once again from Roma. Uh, Thank you, John. Buongiorno to you. And so happy to be here, especially celebrating the anniversary of the Miracle of Fatima. Yeah, it's so exciting. I, you know, I get a little extra pumped up, uh, Ashley, uh, on this day mm-hmm. because uh, it, it's such a part of my reconversion to my Catholic faith. Actually, yeah. I was watching a documentary with Ricardo Montalban on Fatima years ago that actually brought me back from not practicing my faith at the time uh, when I was in my 20s uh, to just being captivated by the message of Our Lady. So she kind of grabbed me by the ear and pulled me back in. Oh my, that is so amazing, and she does that so well. And John, I'm happy to tell you that I share that very much in common with you, because when I was 18 years old, I won an essay contest, believe it or not, and the essay contest was why I should be selected to go to Fatima, and I won the opportunity through the 101 Foundation to be on a pilgrimage there in Fatima for two weeks, the first pilgrimage of my life. In fact, I had no idea what to expect. But what I found were wonderful, holy people who served as amazing examples, and it was there that I really learned how to pray the rosary deeply and beautifully. And so I, too, credit Fatima as an event in my life where I say that Our Lady, it's like she just lassoed me with her rosary and pulled me in, and there's been no turning back ever since. Wow, wow, wow. I had no idea. (laughs) Again, just another God incidence. I had no idea. But, you know, real quickly, let me just tell you a story. Uh, Back in the 90s, I traveled to to actually went to Fatima uh, on a a pilgrimage with my mom uh, back then, and I had the opportunity uh, to carry the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, Somebody tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted to be part of the procession. And before you know it, I had a white robe on, and I'm part of the six guys carrying the statue of the Blessed Mother in a procession, candlelights, praying the rosary in five different languages. It was just an unbelievable experience. Oh I never expected <laughs> out of all the people in the crowd that, that I would be picked to help carry the statue of Our, Our Lady of Fatima. And so for me, oh, it's a special you. day, just like May 13th on the actual feast day is always special also. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I have to tell you, John, that uh, this is also the wedding anniversary of my brother, Stephen, and his wife, Amy Puglia. 
And they, uh, of course, it was so special that they were to be married on this day. And as we were planning their wedding, and uh, they were married at St. Peter's Basilica here in Rome because, of course, <laughs> they had a, a sister and brother-in-law who were here and were able to arrange that for them. And so John and I were happy to do that. And um, as we, my mom was praying about everything coming into place for this wedding and getting a wedding date settled because the Vatican had changed the date a couple of times. She put their photo right at the foot of a beautiful statue of Our Lady of Fatima in my family's kitchen. And sure enough, Our Lady arranged the wedding to be on this very Isn't that awesome? Awesome, awesome story. And what a a beautiful place to get married. Doesn't get any better than that at St. Peter's. Yes. For sure. Exactly. It's so special. Well, let's talk about uh, the Holy Father's papal audience as we do every Wednesday. What what do you think the, the main message of Pope Francis was today? Well, John, really, today's main message was about the importance of human freedom and how freedom and Christianity are just inextricably linked. He said all of that in context of his continuing reflection on St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. And today, Pope Francis said Christianity introduces people into what he called a new freedom. He called it a liberating novelty because it's that of the gospel. It's the freedom of the gospel. So he said that true Christian freedom enables a person to, in his words, acquire the full dignity of children of God. So he said that this is what allows a person to remain anchored in his or her own cultural heritage without being open uh, while at the same time, excuse me, being open to what is good and what is true in every culture and not coming into conflict with it. But instead, Pope Francis insisted that St. Paul's vision of freedom shows the duty of respecting what Pope Francis today called the cultural origin of every person, leading to, uh, leading to an understanding and an appreciation of that true, authentic Christian freedom. And he said that uh, he asked all to remember that an openness to all People uh, is important because Christ was born, died, and rose for ev- and rose for everyone. And then today, the Pope suggested finding new ways of speaking the faith to others, because otherwise, one could risk no longer being understood by new generations. And finally, he invited the faithful not to claim freedom as a possession, but to be challenged by freedom. In his words, to be constantly on the move, oriented toward its fullness. And then finally today, he referred to the state of pilgrims and wayfarers as one of continual exodus. So those who are liberated from slavery so as to walk toward the fullness of freedom, that gift of Christian freedom, John. And the, the Holy Father um, also uh, reflected on the fact that we need to uh, please and obey God rather than men, something that St. Paul uh-huh. in his letter to the Galatians uh, has uh, always reminded us. And I think that that's a really good reminder for all of us. Right, exactly. He said that uh, for all of us to, to remember in order to be moving toward the fullness of Christian freedom, to remember that we must, uh, we must obey God and never men. And when we are in that state, that is when we have authentically reached Christian freedom. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, uh, President Biden appointed uh, Joe Donnelly as ambassador of yeah. the United States uh, to the Vatican. Uh, what has been the reaction of that appointment? 
Yes, that's right, John. So the president nominated Senator Joe Donnelly, and uh, he, Donnelly, you know, calls himself a Catholic. He campaigned for Biden. He he wrote an op-ed last year talking about the shared faith tradition that he has with President Biden. Now, to give you a little background on him, he's a Democrat from Indiana. He served three terms in the U.S. House before then winning a senatorial race in 2012, and then he lost his re-election bid in 2018. Now, you asked about the reaction to that appointment, John, and uh, there, there are, have been many outcries, especially from the pro-life community, because his views on the sanctity of life, uh, he's waffled back and forth, used to be a pro-life candidate, and very much has changed his stance. So, uh, of course, at this point, he does not represent the Church's teaching on the sanctity of life. In fact, a NARAL gave him an 80% approval rating. And from here, uh, his appointment to be the ambassador to, of the U.S. to the Holy See will be confirmed or must be confirmed by the Senate in order to be official. So now we will watch and wait and see what happens. And, uh, of course, we can continue to pray the Rosary, uh, along with Relevant Radio and EWTN and the Napa Institute on this month for life to especially bring pro-life candidates to the fore, John. Absolutely. And also uh, continue to pray uh, that the hearts may be touched and that the hearts may be changed by some of these Catholic politicians that uh, still think that that abortion is okay, even though they say that it's not okay for them personally. They don't want to impose their views Mm -hmm. on other people. Right, exactly. We, we pray for that, that change of heart and mind, and we all know that, uh, that it can happen. So we also join, of course, Bishop Cordileone in asking the world to pray, especially for the conversion of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. So for all of these politicians, uh, we, we do the part that we can, which is to, to pray and to make our voices heard. Absolutely. Uh, On a more positive note, uh, we have uh, some reasons uh, to celebrate here in this country uh, with uh, the U.S. uh, having 20 new deacons, uh, American men being ordained right there in St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, uh, Give us the update on that. This is so exciting for our church in the U.S., John. So, yes, indeed, it's a gorgeous St. Peter's Basilica right at the altar of the chair there. Uh, Colonel Wilton Gregory of D.C. was here in Rome and ordained 20 seminarians from the Pontifical North American College in Rome to the transitional diaconate. So it was an absolutely gorgeous ceremony, a beautiful choir. Of course, these new deacons committed themselves to lives of prayer, of celibacy, obedience to their diocesan bishops. They joined, they they placed their joined hands between those of the presiding bishop, in fact, as they make that promise of obedience. They prostrated themselves before the altar. They knelt before the bishop as he laid his hands on their heads and before saying that prayer of consecration. So it was uh, a beautiful ceremony, and the main message from Cardinal Gregory urged all the new deacons to have a heart for charity. And so he said that is one of the essential elements of the office. He pointed out that uh, priests and deacons will always have flaws, but that without a heart for charity, they will be just a hollow and worthless 
sign, John. So what's going to happen from here is that those deacons will undergo another year of theological studies and spiritual formation before their ordination to the priesthood in their home diocese, John. Sounds like a, a fabulous experience for those deacons to get all that formation right there in Rome and then be able to take everything they learned and apply it to uh, dioceses and parishes here in our country. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Bringing Rome to home. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Forty-eight minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for being with us this morning as we continue with our Rome to Home feature that we do every week with our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona. Ashley, welcome back. Glad to be here, John. So happy to be with you this morning. Ashley, uh, as I said before the break, uh, there's some wonderful celebrations and feasts uh, here in the month of October. We've got uh, the feast of uh, Pope St. John Paul II coming up uh, uh, later this month. And uh, of course, uh, we have uh, St. Teresa of Avila later this week. Uh, Can you talk about some of these uh, cool feasts and celebrations uh, here in the month of October? Absolutely. Well, a very special celebration was just held in St. Peter's Basilica on the 11th of October, and that was the feast of Pope St. John the 23rd. And we know him better here in Italy, in Italian, as Il Papa Buono, which means the good Pope. So he was just a a beloved Pope for his sense of humor and the big smile that he always had on his face. And he was actually uh, one of 13 children. And so I imagine that that's why he always had a smile on his face, because he grew up with lots of playmates having lots of fun. And uh, it was, of course, he who called the Second Vatican Council, uh, but did not live to see the end of it. He died in 1963. But when his body was unearthed during the canonization process, when they were uh, preparing to entomb him in St. Peter's Basilica, what they discovered was that his body was incorrupt. And so there in the basilica, under the beautiful Domenichino mosaic, showing the viaticum or the last communion of St. Jerome, Right under that beautiful altarpiece is the body of Pope St. John the Twenty-Third, and it's actually inside of a glass urn. So John, on his feast day, uh, pilgrims came from throughout the city, of course from throughout Italy as well, to make pilgrimage to that spot, to pray there. There were beautiful flowers set up uh, at his tomb. There were masses going on, special masses all throughout the day so that the faithful could be there and, and to celebrate his special And then, John, you also mentioned St. Teresa of Avila, whose feast day is coming up on Friday, on the 15th of October. And, of course, such an amazing, such an amazing role model of the faith, this Spanish noblewoman, who, of course, was called to the life of a Carmelite nun. She was a mystic. She was a religious reformer. And not many people realize, though, John, that there is actually a very important relic of St. Teresa of Avila right here in Rome. And, of course, it is she who founded the Discalced Carmelites. She established them. And the Shoeless Carmelites, well, just so happens that her foot 
her very right foot is here in Rome at the Church of Santa Maria della Scala, which is in the neighborhood of Trastevere. And so on Friday, on that special day, pilgrims will come uh, to especially venerate that relic. Now, that church today is run by the Carmelites. And, of course, it's such an interesting reality that we celebrate her feast on the 15th of October because uh, it just so happened that St. Teresa of Avila passed away just as the, uh, the Gregorian calendar was replacing the Julian calendar in 1583. And it was exactly, or it, let's see, 1582 it was, and it was exactly as um, those days, in order to implement the new calendar, they were actually removing the date of October 4th to October 14th from the calendar altogether. So with that said, when uh, she passed away, probably late night on the 4th or early morning the next day, her death date is actually attributed as October 15th because the 10 days in the interim were literally wiped out of time. So nevertheless, uh, she is celebrated on the 15th of October on the liturgical calendar, and her last words, my Lord, it's time to move on. Well, then, may your will be done. Oh, my Lord and my spouse, the hour that I have longed for has come. It's time to meet one another. It's with those words in mind that pilgrims will go to venerate that very special relic here in Rome, John. And we think of uh, Teresa of Avila as the big Teresa with uh, St. Therese, uh, the little flower, as the little Teresa that we celebrated at the beginning of the month, uh, Ashley. I, I have a quote uh, on my desk at home uh, from St. Teresa that I just absolutely love. Uh, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. Uh, though all things pass, God does not change. Patience wins all things, but he lacks nothing who possesses God, for God alone suffices. And just a, a great reminder from St. Teresa. So true. And, and actually, John, those words remind me, too, of the, the beautiful, the amazing um, the amazing sculpture by John Lorenzo Bernini that is in the Church of Santa Maria, Maria della Vittoria here in Rome, which is considered perhaps his greatest work of all time. It's the ecstasy of St. Teresa and Avila, we, he, the artist manages to capture her in that precise moment of ecstasy, of pleasure, of pain, of everything that it involved. And it's that very moment, John, that she understood those words that God alone will suffice that you shared. And Ashley, uh, on the 22nd of this month, uh, we celebrate uh, our hero, uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Yes, yes, and that's, of course, such an exciting time here. Pilgrims go and they visit his tomb itself. He, he is entombed in St. Peter's Basilica. And, you know, it's always exciting, John, because early mornings in St. Peter's, there are very often or, or traditionally have been Polish groups there who celebrate their beloved Pope. And so on that special day, again, people will be crowding into St. Peter's Basilica 
in order to specially venerate his remains and to pray there at his tomb, really the most popular altar in all of St. Peter's Basilica. I remember kneeling in front of his tomb before they moved it, um, just around the corner from the tomb of St. Peter, uh, underneath the the high altar at St. Peter's. And I remember Mm -hmm. praying there, and I left my business card next to his flowers, asking for the Holy Father's intercession at the time to please send us a baby. We had been praying for a baby. And uh, sure enough, 10 days later, my now adopted son uh, was born unbeknownst to me. So uh, JP2 is my hero forever. Oh, so much to be thankful for, for his intercession. He's also the patron of our Truth and Beauty Project, John, because he, being such an amazing communicator, who changed so many hearts through his ministry, that's what we pray to do also through ours. So that's 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 awesome to hear that. And uh, one other thing, uh, is it true, do I understand correctly, that we can now say Arrivederci to Alitalia Airlines? Oh, John, it's true. In fact, if you have any of those Alitalia points, Stored up when time to turn them in because uh, Alitalia's last day is literally tomorrow. Now, to give you a little background, this is, of course, the, the famed state airline. And uh, over the years, it, it's gotten a little bit of a reputation of being more well-known, especially for its uh, fancy flight attendant uniforms designed by people like Giorgio Armani, rather than for its service or its punctuality. And so Alitalia Airlines, which has been running since 1946, gained uh, a little bit of a, of a reputation as a, as a money sinkhole and has been losing money for decades. And so finally, the Italian government has decided to call it quits. We have a new state airline that is going to start operations officially on the 15th. It's called ITA, Italia Trasporto Aereo. And they are going to uh, go ahead and start serving many of those same locations that Alitalia has served uh, with a much smaller staff uh, of only about 6,000 as opposed to Alitalia's 11,000, but they are going to, hopefully they've got a plan to get out of debt. Uh, They're going to start with about 52 airplanes, and then they have a goal to be completely in the red, uh, in the black by 2023. Ashley, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for helping us to bring Rome to home uh, to our audience, as always. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called What a Relief in Sunny Skies. It was a shining example of sportsmanship from an 8th grader in Adairsville, Georgia. Lily Roberts is a pitcher for the Adairsville JV softball team. The team they were playing against a couple weeks ago was about to lose when their pitcher got sick. They were struggling and I knew if I didn't step up the game would have to end and they'd have to forfeit. So I just thought I'd love to step up. That was Roberts speaking to 11 Alive. So that's exactly what she did. Roberts stepped right up to the mound and pitched for the opposing team. And she wasn't lobbing easy balls over the plate against her teammates. She was firing them across home plate for strikes. She'd smile at them and throw them a strike, said coach Kelly Abernathy. She was pitching like she was pitching in a championship game. Even while Roberts was striking out her own teammates, the girls on both benches were cheering. I think the other team was really supportive of me coming in to pitch for them. I did hear them cheering for me when I was pitching, and it made me feel good, said Roberts. 
Coach Abernathy said it's not winning that makes him proud, it's how the players act and the lessons they learn on the field. It could be as positive as Lily is, be a lot less problems in the world, added the coach. From Matthew 5, 33 and 34, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Thanks so much, Glenn. Of course, uh, you can uh, download any of Glenn's Story Corners and listen to them anytime you want or share them with your friends and relatives. All you got to do is go to relevantradio.com. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tayon, is going to be with us to continue talking about Our Lady of Fatima and the miracle of the sun. And career coach Bruce Lockenauer will also uh, be with us to continue his his series on landing your dream job. Today we're going to chat about the importance of creating a resume and a LinkedIn profile. So don't change that dial. Lots of good stuff coming up on the way here on Morning Air uh, next hour on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.